Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So tonight, as we continue our, our tour of the cities of refuge, we're going to go to uh, Shechem. And so there's, a, there's a, a map up there for you so that you can kind of see relatively where Shechem is at in, in Israel. You see it there at the top uh, of the map um, above Bethel, which is above Jerusalem as well. Shechem, you remember there were six cities of refuge, three on the eastern side of the Jordan, um, three on the western side of the Jordan. Shechem is the central city of refuge on the western side of the Jordan River is located, it was located in the territory of Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh. There's, there's actually a lot written about Shechem in the Bible, at least um, in, in terms of relative to the other cities of refuge. I've kind of gone in the order of uh, their importance or how much is mentioned about them next, uh, not next week, but the next time we'll be talking about Hebron which is the only other city of refuge that has more history associated with it than Shechem. But there's quite a bit of history related to Shechem, and we're going to try to get through most of it tonight, so we're going to have to move kind of uh, quick. Um, but it's first mentioned, the first mention of Shechem is actually in Genesis chapter 12, all right? So if you have your Bibles, you can look in Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to be reading verses uh, about 1 through 9. It's mentioned in Genesis chapter 12. It is the first stop of Abraham as he enters into the land of Canaan. And you remember God has called him. Well, let's just read it. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in, him, and, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered... And the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to, to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country to the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. Okay? So this passage says that Abram uh, passed through the land and he only stopped at Shechem. In fact, Shechem is the first significant stop in the land of 
uh, Canaan that he actually makes. And after he stops at Shechem, he journeys on. He goes through Shechem, goes on to Bethel, and then he journey on, journeys on toward the Negev, which is actually the wilderness toward Sinai. The point is this. Abraham didn't settle down in Shechem. In fact, he didn't possess any of the land uh, there, didn't possess any of Shechem. However, it was at Shechem that he was promised the land. It was at Shechem that God said to Abram, uh, to your offspring, I will give this, this land. So the land, as you noticed, it was inhabited by Canaanites at the time. So, Can- so Shechem was, was inhabited, uh, but it was inhabited by Canaanites uh, when, when Abram came through that area. So the Bible says that at Shechem, Abraham built an altar there um, because God had spoke to him. He met with God, so he built an altar there, and he built it by an oak tree or a, um, or a terebinth tree. That was there, and that's a picture, actually, of um, a terebinth tree, which is, which is called an oak sometimes um, in the Bible. And, and here's the thing about that, that oak, well, not that oak tree, that's not the oak tree, all right, it's a representative oak tree. But here's the thing about the oak tree at Mora there in, in Shechem. That became Shechem and that oak tree and the altar there that Abram built. Um, it became a very significant site in the history of Israel. It became a, very, it became a shrine area, a significant um, site to, the, to all of the descendants of Abraham, as, as we'll see. So fast forward from Abraham. We know that Abraham uh, had who? Abraham's son was, y'all are Wednesday night crowd. Y'all should know this. Is Abraham's son is Isaac, right? Ishmael too, yeah. But Isaac is the son of promise. And then Isaac's son is Jacob and Esau, right? And we remember what transpired between Jacob and Esau. Jacob steals Esau's birthright, remember? And because of that, Jacob has to flee back out of the land of Canaan, right? So Abraham is, Abraham is sort of a wanderer, nomad in the land. He doesn't settle in the land. He doesn't possess any of the land. He wanders around. Um, and so Jacob has to actually flee back out of the land of Canaan. And he goes uh, to his father-in-law, um, Laban, who is his, is his uncle or becomes his father-in-law. And he, and he spends, Jacob spends there 20 years with Laban. And then when he comes back from there, he comes back to the land is reunited with his brother Esau. Um, and when he comes back into the land, after his meeting with Esau, the Bible says that he actually returns, just like Abraham, when he came into the promised land, Shechem was one of his first stops in the promised land. In the same way, Jacob, one of his first stops when he comes back into the land uh, of Canaan, is at Shechem. Now, there's two reasons f- uh, for that. One is just the geography of the region. As you see, a lot of the traffic when, uh, when, it com- when they come into Canaan from the north, they have to pass by that way just because of the geography, the way that you have to pass through that land. So part of it was a practical reason. He just had to pass through Shechem uh, anyway. But 
But we can't miss the symbolism that is there as well, that when Jacob is coming back into the land, just as his grandfather had come into the land, he stops at Shechem. And in Shechem, he actually, um, unlike Abraham, Jacob actually purchases property in Shechem. Now, I'm, I'm kind of hitting the highlights because we've got to move kind of fast to fit uh, all of this in. He actually purchases property at Shechem, and he builds an altar in Shechem uh, as well, an altar that he names El Elohi Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. And so here's the point. Whereas Abraham didn't settle down in Shechem, uh, Jacob does begin to settle down in, in Shechem. He purchases property. However, a tragedy occurs in Shechem with Jacob's family that makes it necessary for Jacob to have to leave Shechem again. Very quickly, Jacob's daughter, you, you might know this story from, from Genesis, Jacob's daughter Dinah is, is actually raped by a young man, uh, one of the Canaanites that lives in that area, that possessed that area. She's raped by a young man. His name is Shechem, actually. He's the, um, he's the namesake of this area, and he is the, the, um, he is the son of the man who Abraham has bought this land from. And so what happens is Jacob negotiates with the young man's father, and uh, they arrange a marriage between this young man, Shechem, and Dinah. And they arrange an alliance between their tribes, between Jacob's family and, and uh, uh, Hamor's family. He arranges, a, arranges an alliance. However, Jacob's sons act deceitfully, and they use the terms of their agreement, which included the circumcision of every male in Hamor's family, um, they use that as an opportunity to slaughter all of the men of Shechem to avenge their sister. Now, do you remember, um, you remember why cities of refuge were established? It's not a city of refuge yet, but it's, it's done to do what? To eliminate this kind of blood feud that's happening right here um, with Jacob's family. So they slaughter all of the men of Shechem, and Jacob becomes an anathema to the, pity, to the people of Shechem. And so he has to leave there. God tells him to go to Bethel, dwell in Bethel. And it's ironic um, that a city that has such a history of blood feuds would actually become later a city of refuge. But uh, before Jacob departs, from Shechem, he did something very significant. And this is the next place in the Bible that we want to go to that mentions Shechem. Uh, we read about it in Genesis chapter 35. So if you still have your Bibles open, flip over to Genesis chapter 35 because Jacob does uh, something very significant. This is when God tells him to go to Bethel. So God said to Jacob, arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to, up to Bethel. 
so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been there wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. So here again is a reference to that terebinth tree that is in Shechem, that same terebinth tree, perhaps that Abraham uh, had um, built an altar at. Jacob, the Bible says, takes uh, all of the household idols and all of the earrings out of his family's ears and he dwell and he, and he buries them, hides them there under the terebinth tree in Shechem. And this is a very significant thing that Jacob does here in Shechem um, because by requiring his family to remove their earrings and relinquish their idols, Jacob is, here's what Jacob is doing. He is renouncing their allegiance to any other God except the God of Israel. So he is stating uh, his belief that there is only one God, El Elohi Israel, God. There's one God, the God of Israel. And so Jacob is stating his belief that there is one true God. And here's what's significant. He is making the decision that he and his house, that they are going to do what? They are going to serve the one true God. He's making his choice that they are going to serve God. So the earrings and the idols are hidden under the terebinth tree that is there in Shechem. And the question is, why didn't he just destroy uh, the earrings? Why didn't he just destroy the idols? Well, I think it's because he placed them there as a um, testimony to his decision to forsake all foreign gods at the same place where Abraham had received the promise from the one true God. So see, both of those things happen here at Shechem, and I think it's significant. Do you see the significance between uh, the two things happening at the one place? Shechem was a place where a promise was made. First of all, the promise was made to Abraham, I will give you all of this land. And then it was at the same place where a decision was made by Jacob, I will give you my complete devotion. I will serve you and I will serve only you. And so there were two altars at Shechem. One that was built by Abraham uh, when God made the promise to him, I'm going to give you all of this land. And there was another one built by Jacob when Jacob said, I will serve you and only you. So it's at this place, it's at Shechem, that those, that those two experiences overlapped in, in a very significant way. It's the place where God said to Abraham, I'll give you all of this. And it's where, and it's where Jacob said to God, I will give you all of this, all of me. And it happened at the same place in, in Shechem. Now, it gets even better than that because um, this is all affirmed hundreds of years later by Moses who gives Israel some um, 
interesting instruction as they are about to enter back into the promised land. Remember, you know the history. Uh, they've gone down. We're talking about it in Exodus right now. They had gone down to Egypt, spent, some, spent 430 years in Egypt, and now they're coming back to the promised land again, right? And as they're about to enter into the promised land, Moses gives Israel some some interesting instructions. He said to them that when you go into the promised land, here's what you should do. You should gather at a certain place together in a solemn ceremony. And he says, half of the tribes of Israel should assemble on Mount Gerizim. And what they should do is they should pronounce blessings, the blessings over Israel, blessings that will come to them if they will do what? if they will obey the law and if they will serve God with all of their heart. And then Moses says, and then the other half of the tribes of Israel should assemble on Mount Ebal and they should pronounce the curses that will befall Israel if they disregard God and if they disobey his commands. What can you guess? where Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal are located. They're located at Shechem. Or more precisely, Shechem. And uh, you can see there in uh, that picture. Let me do it this way. <laughs> On your what is that? That's your left hand, right? On your left hand side is Mount Gerizim, and on the right hand side is Mount Ebal. And right in the middle, that city there is Shechem. Well, it's actually um, Nabulus, I believe, today, but it's the ancient city of Shechem. And so it's at this location that Moses says, when you enter back into the promised land now, stop where? Shechem. And when you stop at Shechem, half of the tribes of Israel get on one side and say, if, here's what God says, if you will do all of these things, if you will keep my commands, if you will serve me with your whole heart, I'll do what? I'll bless you. And they pronounce all of the blessings, all of the things that God will do for his people if they will obey God's voice and if they will serve him with their whole heart. And then on the other side, the curses. These are the things that will happen if you don't serve God and if you disregard uh, God. So once again, Shechem is the place where the promises that God makes to his people are reaffirmed. So this is at least the third time where God reaffirms his promises. I'm going to bless you and I'll do these things for you if you will serve me with all of your heart. So Shechem is a place where the promises are reaffirmed and where God's people are given the opportunity to do what? To choose life or death. It's exactly right, Harold, to choose life or death. Will I serve God with all of my heart? Will I give him my complete devotion? And if I do that, then God has said what? I'll give you all of this. All of this can be yours if you serve me with all of your heart. So Shechem is the place where that choice is made, where the promise is made and where the decision is made, where God makes his promise to us, if you will serve me, all of this is yours. I'll bless you. 
I'll do all of these things for you. And where we make our choice, am I going to serve God with, with my whole heart? Interestingly enough, many years later, many years later, Joshua would reassemble Israel uh, at Shechem again. This is before Joshua dies. He brings the people of Israel back to Shechem once more. And once again, <clears throat> Joshua reminds the people of Israel about God's promises, and he encourages them to serve God with all of their heart. Let's look at Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And, and I know that you're familiar with this passage, but let's, let's read it. Joshua 24, beginning in verse, uh, just, uh, verse 14 and 15. Now, therefore... So he's assembled everybody back at Shechem, and he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. What, listen what he says. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that cool? That's significant. What Jacob had done when he came to Shechem, he did what? He put away his foreign gods. And so here's Joshua uh, centuries later saying to Israel at the same site, the significant place, put away the foreign gods that you served back in Egypt and serve the Lord. In verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's the same choice. It's the same decision. It's the same thing that Jacob said when he entered into the promised land and was standing at Shechem and built an altar to the Lord. He put away his foreign gods and said, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And when we make that decision to serve God, um, he blesses us, and he promises to do good to us. Skip down Joshua chapter 24. Uh, let's look at verses 25 through 28, which says this. Uh, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and he set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Again, there's that significant site in Shechem under the terebinth tree. Um, and Joshua said to all of the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you, dealt, lest you deal falsely with your God. And so Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Next picture. Um, there's a picture there of the stone uh, at Shechem that is, well, it's supposedly the stone of Joshua. Um, we don't know that it's the stone, the actual stone of Joshua. But the point is this. Joshua built another altar at Shechem and said, okay, this is the day that you're making the choice, the decision. God has promised you all of this is yours, but it depends on your choice 
whether you will serve God uh, with all of your heart. And he set up a stone as a witness to them because uh, that stone had seen or heard God's word, the promise God had made, and heard the people's commitment to serve uh, God and to choose to serve him. And so uh, I, I got to hurry through this, I know, but let me, let me try to wrap things up as quickly as I can. Here, here's the point about Shechem. God, God has a great plan for our lives. Amen? God, God loves us. We are his own people. And God says to us, all of this can be yours. If, if you will serve me, and you'll, I'll bless you, and I will prosper you. I will do good to you. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that our life is free of pain and difficulty. I think you know enough uh, by now to know that's not what I'm saying to you. But I am saying that what God says is, I will be your God, and I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will bless you. I will honor you if you honor me. And so God has a great plan for our lives. He gives us good opportunities, but God gives us a choice whether we will honor him with our life, whether we will choose life or whether we will choose death, whether we will choose blessing or whether, whether we will choose curses for our life. And now listen, it's, it's not that God curses us when we make bad choices. It's that the choices we make, we suffer the consequences for bad choices that we make. God says, here's what I'll do for you. Here's all the blessings I'll give to you. This is what I promise to you if you will choose to serve me with all of your heart. But when we make bad choices, how many knows we sometimes suffer the consequences for the bad choices and the bad decisions that we make. And here's the thing, God's word bears this out. We don't always make good choices, do we? <laughs> we sometimes make bad choices and bad decisions. I mean, we see that in Shechem already because we saw it with Jacob and uh, the situation with Jacob and, and Dinah. They made some bad choices there and suffered uh, the terrible consequences. I mean, you can read about that story later if you want to. It's just a, a terrible, terrible story, a tragic. And the Bible, doesn't, the Bible doesn't hold any of that stuff back from us. It lets us see the unintended consequences that sometimes happen when we make bad choices. God doesn't always deliver us from the consequences of the bad choices that, that we make. And so we sometimes, Jacob made bad choices. Jacob's sons made bad choices there at Shechem. They suffered the consequences because of it. There were other bad choices that were made um, at Shechem, in fact. And, and we don't have a lot of time to go into this one, but in Judges chapter 8 and 9 is one of the um, uh, big episodes that happened in Shechem. During the time of the judges, how many remember Gideon? Gideon was a judge in Israel, and Gideon delivered Israel from the Midianites. 
And after he delivered Israel from the Midianites, Israel said what? Oh, we want you to be our ruler. We want you to rule over us. And what did Gideon say? Gideon said, no, no, no. I'm not your ruler. God is supposed to be our ruler. I'm not going to be your king, and my sons are not going to be your king. And so Gideon refused to be their, their ruler. However, there was a young man whose name was um, Abimelech. He was actually um, an illegitimate son of Gideon. And so Abimelech does what? He goes to the rulers of Shechem, who is, by this time, remember, Shechem is supposed to be a city of refuge, one of the cities of refuge. He goes to the rulers of Shechem, and he convinces the rulers of Shechem to appoint him as their king or as their ruler. And so when the leaders of Shechem agree to do this, Abimelech goes and he kills all of his brothers except for one, Jotham. And, but he kills all of his brothers, and Jotham um, prophesies against Shechem, and he says, basically, this is not what Jotham says, but here's the gist of what he says. He said, you're going to get what you deserve because of the choice that you made for appointing Abimelech as your king. You're going you're to pay the price. You'll face the consequences for the bad choice uh, that you have, have made. And by the way, isn't it interesting that, that Shechem was a city of refuge? Not only did they ignore um, the murder that Abimelech committed by slaughtering all of those sons of Gideon, they, they made him uh, their ruler. City of refuge is a, a refuge for someone who sheds blood innocently unintentionally. And Abimelech intentionally slaughtered um, Gideon's sons and the rulers of Shechem do what? They make him their king and their ruler. Well, long story short, another man rises up in Shechem. He leads a rebellion against Abimelech. Abimelech has to flee temporarily from Shechem, but he comes back to Shechem and he destroys Shechem. I mean, he raises the city. I mean, just levels the city. In fact, all of the leaders, rulers of Shechem flee to a tower in Shechem. They climb up in the tower, and Abimelech puts kindling next to the tower, burns the tower down, completely destroys the city. Shechem suffered some devastating consequences for the decision that they made to make Abimelech their ruler rather than allow God to be their, their ruler. Well, Shechem is mentioned again in 1 Kings chapter 12 when Jeroboam, King Jeroboam, rebuilds the city of Shechem. And remember, Jeroboam is the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. By that time, the kingdom has divided. And one of the reasons that Jeroboam rebuilds the city of Shechem is because it's near the border uh, to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he's concerned because he doesn't want the people of Israel going down to worship God in Jerusalem, which is where they were supposed to worship God. 
He says, so I'm going to fortify Shechem, and he rebuilt some of the cities to keep people from worshiping uh, God the way that they were supposed to worship God. And then the last mention of Shechem, or we think anyway, is in actually in John chapter 4, where Jesus is passing through Samaria. And you remember, he is at the well, and he meets this woman by the well. Um, that's probably Jacob's well near Shechem. That's near Shechem. In fact, the town is called Sychar, which is uh, probably Shechem, the same city. And you remember the episode that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at, um, there at the, at the well? The woman was confused, and she said, well, some people say we should worship God here on Mount Gerizim, where they had a shrine set up to God, where Jeroboam had put a shrine to God. Some people say we should worship God in Jerusalem. Um, but who knows? Who knows how we're supposed to worship God? And so the woman is confused about true worship. She can't make the, the right decision about worshiping God because um, her mind has been darkened and she doesn't know about true, true worship. Here's, here's the point. Shechem is a place of promise. It's a place where if we will worship God, if we will devote ourselves completely to God, then God will bless us and honor us. But Shechem is a place where we don't always, we don't always make the right choices we don't always make the right decisions. And because of that, sometimes we suffer the consequences for the bad choices and the bad decisions that we've made. I'm curious tonight, is there anybody here that has ever made a bad choice, a bad decision? Uh, yeah. All of us have. <laughs> uh, all of us have made bad choices and bad decisions. And sometimes we... Usually we suffer the consequences of our own bad choices and our bad decisions. But here's, here's the last word about Shechem, okay, and it's, and it's a good word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm uh, 60. Psalm 60. And this is what God's Word says in Psalm 60 about, about Shechem. It says, oh God, verse number one, oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up, um, you have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to it from the bow that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give us salvation by your right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness with exultation. I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? 
You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. What does Psalm 60 say? And it's saying, God, have you rejected us? Our enemies have overpowered us. What is, what is he talking about? He's, he's talking about the consequences that we face when we disobey God and when we dishonor God. God doesn't reject us. What happens is we suffer the consequences for our own disobedience to God, right? Nevertheless, nevertheless, it says what? You have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to you. Aren't you glad that even when we make bad choices and we suffer the consequences for the sins that we commit, the things that we do, nevertheless, God has mercy on us. And we can still run to him and find salvation. And God says, Gilead is mine. Shechem, I would, what he's saying is, I will redeem and I will restore Shechem to uh, myself. Aren't you glad that even when we are unfaithful, God remains faithful? Even when we make bad choices, God is faithful to the promises that he has made to us. Amen. God, God hasn't rejected us. God will give us help, and God will grant us victory when we put our faith and when we put our trust in, in Jesus Christ. So Shechem is a place where God says, I'll bless you. I'll, I'll do good to you. I want to honor you. I, I want to give you my promises but it's a place where we have to make a choice and we have to make a decision. And even when we make bad choices, bad decisions, God still says, I'm not going to forsake you. I can redeem you. I'll give you a second chance, a third chance. I'll restore you. I'll turn the enemy back from you. And with our God, that when we trust in man, Psalm says, when we trust in man, what happens? We'll be disappointed, Right? When we put our faith in man, we'll always be disappointed. But with our God, we shall do valiantly. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play App Store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.